Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Yeah, 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 and Nick, I had to explain to some, and I'm using air quotes, putting both fingers up here, yes, yes. supposed Steeler fans who for some reason watched the game, how that score came about. Listen, it was a weird score, but it's not a weird result. It's a familiar result. It's a result that Ben Roethlisberger, I believe, has had 24 times against only two occasions in which he's lost to the Browns, 24 times beating the Browns in what was probably his last visit to his second home, which is Cleveland's heads and minds and also their stadium where he wins almost all the games that he plays there. Massive victory for the Steelers, you know, preseason Super Bowl champs, hey, I myself was saying the Browns, there's no way a team this loaded can win anything less than 11 games. That being said, they've been struggling, and the Steelers just sent them to the basement. The Steelers, in my opinion, have officially avenged last year's playoff embarrassment to the Browns and has put the Browns back where they belong in the basement of the AFC North. Huge win, weird score, familiar feeling. Steelers beat the Browns. And I think the Steelers stock is going up right now. If I got to be honest with you coming out of the bye week. Well, we can make that stock go up a little bit higher, can't we? We can. We can do that at Symbol, our new sponsor, everybody, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. But there's no bull here, everybody. There's just golden nuggets of truth. And that's our new sponsor. Symbol's the stock market for sports that allow you to profit off of your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks. And every time your teams win, you earn cash. I talked to you guys about Symbol last week. The Steelers are the definition of rising stock. Now the winners of three in a row and one after coming out of their bye week. Visit Symbol.com and use their promo code SD, like sports drink, and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. Join Symbol now and start investing and profiting from your favorite sports teams. Hey, usually I, I don't intercede in these uh, sponsor announcements, but I want to talk to our audience about this because I have a plan. We've been buying up stock. We've been trying to corner the market on Steeler shares. But we want to share in what we look to be a rising tide, maybe kind of a, a pump and dump, if you will, of penny stocks. But these aren't penny stocks. They're real money. So let's all get in there and let's get that price up there nice and high. So when the Steelers hit the playoffs, 
we might tap that for a little bit of value. Yeah, we're thinking playoffs now. We're thinking all kinds of things. We can get those thoughts out at Spotify Green Room, which is a live audio-only sports talk platform where you could talk to fans, athletes, insiders, and psychopaths in real time. Get in on the conversations that you listen to here every day. Get in on your own terms. Yell, scream, shout, whisper. You know, I was going to say something else. But, you know, talk about sports. Download the Spotify Green Room app for free in the iOS app store. Create a profile. Link your Twitter and join the group. We need to talk about this glorious win, Dad. The avenging of the 48-37 to 37 playoff loss from last year. I think I've said this before on the podcast, but there is part of me that enjoys the Bengals and the Browns losing even more than I enjoy the Steelers beating them. Maybe because it's old hat. You know, you're so used to it. The Browns just win, win, okay, whatever. It's just kind of like a perfunctory, you know, it's an oil change, really. When the Steelers go, the Steelers going to Cleveland, it's an oil change. You get it done. You know you have to do it. It's going to go off without a hitch, but uh, it has to be done. What are, you, what are you trying to say? You're trying to interject? Yeah, apropos of what you said earlier about your early season projections about the Browns and how they've loaded up with absolutely no data, I was saying, I don't see it. They've got to prove it because they, they've, they've loaded up and we haven't seen them capitalize on that before. And true point. to form, here they are, four and three. Again, with no data, but they seem to have a black cloud. They do. And two years ago, I predicted them to do extremely well again once they you know they got Odell Beckham Jr. they had um, really stocked up and they have so many number one picks and they were able to get free agents and they just loaded up in a way that was almost unfathomable and I got burned and I think before this season or before last season I can't remember they're mixing up now I can't remember when the Browns actually started getting a little bit better it was I think three years ago I guess but I said, hey, they burned me once already. I never believed in that, hey, but they're Cleveland thing. I just thought there's too many good players and there's some good coaches. You are who you are. Like Tampa Bay is just Tampa Bay until you get a complete all-star team, right? And then they win the Super Bowl. But I think I got to agree with you now. Like they have not done it. And it's a thing of beauty to watch because nobody talks more crap than the Cleveland Browns fans, maybe the Buffalo Bills fans, the two basement-dwelling, passionate fan bases. But, yeah, they have to figure out something in Cleveland, and I hope they don't, and I don't care if they do. But long story short, the Buffalo Bills win week one was huge for the Steelers. Changed the flavor around the Steelers that have been going around the whole offseason. Then they immediately lose three in a row, and everyone's like, okay, never mind. Week one, there's always weird results. The Packers get blown up by 35 by the Saints, who are kind of like a Steelers team, like post-Hall of Fame quarterback prime, but still well-coached, still got good players. They'll make something happen, but like they shouldn't be beating the Packers that badly when Rodgers is still rolling, right? So that's what we thought of the, the Bills win. Then the Steelers lost three in a row, and they were lucky enough to get the Russell Wilson-less Seahawks and the Broncos in consecutive games, in the reverse order of that, and then they get the Browns. And in each one of those games, the Steelers have shown improvements, particularly on the offensive line, where they have now been able to actually run the ball past the line of scrimmage a few times. Granted, half of the 10-yard carries that Najee Harris gets are called back by holdings, but now we're actually seeing some of them not get called back by holding. And you and I said on the podcast here, we know it's against two bad teams. It does not matter, though. Not the care. Steelers are so inexperienced at offensive line that there's no way to expect them to be good in the early season. They will improve. And if they're improving against not great talent, 
that's fine as long as they're improving. To be able to keep that up against the Browns was huge. And I think we'll talk a lot about the offensive line. Uh, and by the way, I don't. I think somebody's just chainsawing a random piece of lumber outside of my window now. So I apologize if you guys hear that. Hopefully the compression is, is taking care of that. But uh, back to the Steelers' offensive line. Now they've taken a step up and they've shown it against a pretty talented yet slightly injured whatever Cleveland defense. And I think the biggest story is really the, the Steelers' vaunted defense. The supposed top three defense in the league finally looked like it by completely stymieing a Cleveland run game that had one explosive run on the day. But other than that, the Steelers really shut them, shut them down. And, and that's kind of like the story is that they were able to chip away on offense with some positive runs and uh, the defense really came to play. Yeah. And I don't want to overwhelm anybody with, with numbers, but uh, you know, speak about what, what Chubb did. He did have a 14 yard run on the opening in the opening drive. And then that 21 yard run that he, so he had a total of 61 yards, but if you take away those two runs, he was running under two yards a carry. That's incredible because their line, their play calling, and their running back, Nick Chubb himself, even the backup running backs we know are great. That's just a lot of talent. So for the Steelers to be able to take care of that, especially after getting gashed by Alex Collins and the Seahawks a few weeks ago, who were a completely one-dimensional offense, who have terrible play calling up in Seattle. It's basically eighth-grade football up there. That was really alarming. And I think Mike Florio made a great point about Mike Tomlin this week after Tomlin had that unbelievable slam dunk shutdown about the USC job rumors and one of the most Steeler moments we've seen in the last few years from any Steeler. Florio said, I don't think that Tomlin's intense response comes in a vacuum to that question. I think that that shows his general disposition right now. And he is in survival mode for the Steelers who are at 500 at the, you know, before this game. And I think that the Steelers are going to come out with a lot of intensity, so on and so forth. And I was thinking the same thing. I put up a tweet before the game. Hey, this game revolves around the Steelers run defense containing Cleveland. If they can do that. And if Ben doesn't have any crazy turnovers, the Steelers are going to be fine because the Browns have been clunky in every single game this year. Despite their talent, they've been clunky. They played the Chiefs really close in the first week, and we all thought, oh, that's really impressive. Well, it turns out the Chiefs are really struggling this year, so it doesn't look as impressive as it once did before. And I figured, look, the Browns aren't just going to turn around 180 degrees and fulfill their potential in one week. And even though the Steelers were gashed against the Seahawks, having that bye week – Having that intensity that Mike Tomlin had after probably being pissed off at getting run on like that, mixed with the obvious, enormous motivation the Steelers would have after getting blown out by the Cleveland Browns in that embarrassing playoff loss in which Cleveland has never stopped talking about. I just thought that there was so much momentum on the Steelers' side, and I feel like that was obvious the whole game, Dad. I mean, the Steelers were hitting hard. I think it was a combination of that, you know, sort of maybe uh, some pride, but also coaching, right? When we listened to the press conference with, with Cam Hayward, they asked him, what, what's the difference? How did you shut down the running game? And he said, everybody hit their damn gaffes. Everybody hit their damn gaffes. And gaffes. it seemed like, you know, pretty elementary, but um, I think that in combination with the Baker couldn't go too far downfield. Yeah. He didn't have a ton of time. They were really protecting him, that, that left shoulder, that left broken shoulder. So I think those conspired to constrain their, you know, their sort of the variety they could do. And the Steelers were able to plug the holes of the linebackers. And obviously Cam Hayward is just at a different level. He is. 
if we took if we tied one arm behind his back, he'd be fine. He'd be kind of like he'd be kind of like Mouscare against Denmore Jr. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was an interesting one. Speaking of coaching, we'll get into that later. But I guess just looking at this and painting with a broad brush once again, the, the story is not only did the Steelers avenge the playoff loss and send the Browns to the AFC North basement, but the Steelers are legitimately in the AFC North title race. The next two games for the Steelers are against Chicago, who sucks, and Detroit, who may not win a game the entire year. Generally, as a Steelers fan, we're going to chalk one of those up to a loss, right? The Tomlin specials, we've talked about them. We said he had his back up against the wall against the Broncos, and then as well as the Seahawks, two inferior teams, got to play the Seahawks in prime time. Everyone's burying the Steelers. They are, the Steelers are always going to win those games. This one's a similar one. They're an underdog. They have so much motivation from a prior year. The Steelers are an emotional team. They get up for these games, like the Cleveland game. It's Ben's last game and then, you know, his son's stadium. This next one, Steelers have momentum. People are talking positively about them again. You're playing two basement-dwelling teams. These are usually losses for the Steelers, but hopefully they realize in a year where the Steelers are not, you know, a juggernaut, Hopefully they don't look past these because they should be six and three in a couple weeks. And that's just insane given the fact that they had fallen into the basement at one and three. And the Steelers are actually in the AFC North race. And, and to me, it just looks like this is what we talked about in the offseason. There's no way to get around an inexperienced and possibly untalented offensive line. Although looks like it's showing a little more talent as we've gone along. It's the Steelers will probably start hitting their stride. Hopefully is what you look for halfway through the season. Well, we are what, six games in now? And there has been visible improvement in that offensive line, which is also, uh, and, and in the defense, but that offensive line has also resulted in visible improvement from Ben, who I think played one of his cleanest games against the Browns. He did throw one directly into the chest of the other team. I guess you just have to guarantee that that's going to happen every week. But otherwise, he finally played the old man role, where it's like he's just distributing and just not overdoing it. Didn't have too many psychotic scrambles there, right? So check. We also said they'll probably be, the Steelers, around a 500 team, whether that's a few games below or maybe a few games above if things go their way. And right now, they're just barely over 500. They're going to play some bad teams coming up. They have a chance to get ahead. And then they're going to play a pretty brutal end of the uh, season stretch where you know you hope they can kind of split games. But you have to be happy about where the Steelers are right now. And I also said last thing, Dad, as I ramble on here, uh, last week I said I actually don't mind the early bye week for the Steelers this year. Usually we get pissed when they have a, a bye week and then have to play 10 straight weeks. I just think the season started exciting with Buffalo. Then you lose three in a row. Panic buttons hit. You win two games against crappy teams to get back to 500. It was a good time to take a breath, reset. Now the second quarter of the season is really starting, more or less quarter. And you have this huge signature win against probably the biggest game you circled on your schedule, this first game against the Browns. I think the Steelers are in a good position right now, and I, I think that that would motivate them highly, and maybe they can stack some wins now. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out. I think some of the factors you mentioned are important. That Ben played within himself, right? He had a very workmanlike 22 for 34 for 266 yards mm -hmm. and a touchdown. We didn't see him try to do anything like young Ben style. I will, right. I will tell you, and, and it seems like the offensive line is ascending, <clears throat> although I got to tell you, like a car wreck on the beltway, I just – I couldn't not watch the left side of that offensive line. And yeah, 
Dan Moore just was a boy uh, in a in a pro game. I mean, it was just yeah. it was a miracle that Garrett didn't get even more more sacks or, yeah. or, or bigger statistics. I mean, Dan couldn't even get in his way. And Garrett wasn't doing anything really unusual. He just kept doing that sort of question mark over top of Dan, who was getting no help 80% of the game. So we might as well talk about that. This is a Tomlin signature win, and it's a Tomlin signature, oh, my gosh, how do you do this? We haven't even mentioned the Boswell thing, right? Like, Tomlin got the kicker murdered. I mean, that's crazy. But the Dan Moore thing is the big one. Your plan against Miles Garrett? was to take the fourth-round rookie offensive lineman and put him one-on-one on an island against the biggest freak in the NFL for four quarters. It, it, it screwed them. Like, he got a sack right when the Steelers were in, in, in touchdown range, and, and, but it didn't wreck the game. Like, Garrett had four-and-a-half sacks a few weeks ago. You're right. Like, it should have been even worse. So, even worse. So, you actually got to give Moore some credit. And there are now some clips being posted by Jeff Schwartz and other guys, offensive line beasts, on Instagram showing some incredible run blocks that Dan Moore had and, and all the linemen in general. So you don't even need the replays to tell, oh, my goodness, there's some actual holes. And you see when Najee Harris, a superstar running back, let's just call it that now. He obviously is. Uh, when he gives a little holes, like, you will have a run game. And it, it will change everything for the Steelers if that can happen. And, uh, and you know, Dan Moore, there's a 0% chance a guy like that is going to be able to shut out miles garrett but just to even be able to battle that's a positive sign although it's a negative sign about tomlin in canada uh to quote the the pro football talk guys again florio and sims chris sims has a great saying that i tweeted out uh while i was watching miles garrett abuse dan moore and the saying is that well it worked on the whiteboard ro accounted for their x okay well your O is a fourth-round rookie offensive tackle, and their X is the biggest freak show in the NFL. We need to help the guy out. So, yeah, that was a little questionable. I agree. Maybe it was a, a matter of throwing him in the deep end and, and hoping. I don't know. Um, it, but speaking of the offensive line, I think that I agree. They're starting to open up some holes. Still still nervous about pass yeah, blocking. Definitely. But Najee was 91 yards on 26 carries. That's only three and a half yards. But if you watch the game, I mean, he got two and a half of those yards every time on his own. Definitely. He had one run. He had one run of 11 yards over 10, over 10 yards. And that was the 11 yard run. So that it does make it. We were talking during the game about how nervous this makes us, how many touches he's getting and not just how many touches it's like the, the collisions yes. that he sustains on every single run. He's carrying guys. Yes, he can't be taken down by the first guy. And it's it's almost a negative. It's almost a negative. Because one guy holds him and then he gets teed off on rather than, you know, some other guys who are better about avoiding hits. Can we can we also go about the leaping? You know, when he did the chest bump against those two guys on the that was on ridiculous. The and I called it. He tried it. He was going to hop early. He did a half hop. And then he's like, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping. I'm jumping. I don't care what happens. I'm jumping. And Ben said in the post game that he tells him stop jumping. Although the, the touchdown is not as risky because it's like a dive, you know, whereas the other totally one, different. yeah, when he's doing the hurdle. Right. He's it not does, exposing his groin, groinal area. Yeah, I can't explore the especially as a stealer. Those, these groins are fragile, as, yeah, as Melvin Ingram showed. It's like an showed. epidemic. Yeah, um. Well, you're talking about every yard he got. He gets so many two-yard runs on his own. Uh, he does. But he also got a number of them through actual holes, which is more uh, compelling. And I don't know how many 10-yard or 7-yard runs he got called back today. I'm sure – or the other day, I'm sure it wasn't a, a crazy high number. But every week, there are more than two 
uh, long runs that get called back from a holding. And generally that means, or what it's mean, if you look back at the plays, everybody except for one guy is getting their job done. To me, they're getting closer. And who cares about the – with the Steelers, the scores, the stats, the yards, they are literally irrelevant. Literally. You have to get that through your head as a football fan. Stats are such liars. Blake Bortles was one of the top fantasy quarterbacks for a few years because he's like third in passing yards. And they were losing every – this is before the great teams. It's because he's down by 40 and they're scoring points on on, um, prevent defenses. Without context, there's nothing. And what we're looking at is – the Steelers improving because they were 2.2 yards of carry. So you had a massive improvement getting a 3.4. And, and I, I catch your point. I'm not uh, accusing you of, of downplaying it. But to me, we're just looking for upward trajectory. And if they can stay healthy, this is only six games into the season. Let's check back in another six and see where they are. I'm not saying it's going to be five yards of carry, but. Yeah, the, the, it's, the trajectory is, is pointing upwards. And l- let me contradict myself slightly because I, I looked at the runs again. Nine of his runs were five yards or more. I mean, he hit, he didn't have the Nick Chubb 21-yard run, but he was getting significant chunks in, you know, five, six, seven, eight yards. So yeah. almost more than a third of his runs, he, you know, he's more than successful on that down. Right, and it's the same thing I always say. First-round running back, if you see him one-on-one in the open field with any player, you cannot get tackled. He never does. He always gets past at least the first guy. So I know you're running out of time here, so let's just hit a couple of the, uh, the other big things. I want to mention, are you running out? You know, I just wanted to ask, he, he only had um, three, tar- it was three receptions on three targets. Because you make a good point about when he gets in the open field. I mean, Cleveland was doing that against the Steelers, getting, you know, sort of running back in, on, around the end on, in the open field. Why do you not think that they no, don't better do at that? It. Yeah, they got, they're going to learn. I mean, they got Stefanski. He's a killer run and play action caller from the Gary Kubiak tree, which comes from the Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan tree. And the Steelers are a patchwork organization on offense in general. So I'm sure they'll get there. This is the same team that had Le'Veon Bell. I mean, they'll figure out the the throwing to the running back thing, right? But uh, the other big rookie, the Friermuth thing is just so exciting. I mean, I know it's like, what do you, I don't even think he had 50 yards and everybody's freaking out, but it's because that touchdown catch was absolutely unbelievable. It says, I wish, I, I regret not going harder for him in the pre-draft process. I need to look up our old episode where we scouted him to see what I said because I think what I remember, I mean, I know what I remember seeing was, wow, the hands are so smooth. It, it reminded me of Mike Gusecki, who was another uh, Penn State tight end. Um, but like, wow, these guys really have like wide receiver hands, like catching it with one hand, catching it in the between guys, catching it with their hand, not their body. And that's what that touchdown catch was. And the other thing was more just seeing him in that little Heath role, catching a bunch of five yarders from Ben. And you just assume that, you know, when Ben retires, when they get the lineup and hopefully they can find a quarterback who can throw it downfield, you'll see some more downfield stuff for Fryermuth. But how much of this podcast that have we spent talking about rookies who are taking steps forward? This is really encouraging for the Steelers. Uh, Deontay, not much to say there. He's, you know, he's the number one receiver. He had the game ceiling 53 yarder, which was really just like a great play call. He was wide, wide ass open and the Red Seas parted and it was a little, fr- it was a little frustrating because we've seen AB take that one to the house so many times. So the fact that he got tackled, we're not going to compare him to maybe the best receiver ever, <laughs> but he was trying uh, to kill the clock. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it was kind of like, Oh, I wish you had scored, but, uh, yeah, he was great. But the thing is, he and Claypool, Claypool had a good game. 
if those guys could learn how to catch back shoulder passes, Ben's games are going to look a lot different because Deontay missed at least one, but they miss one or two every game. They need to hone that skill because Ben's actually throwing some dimes on these back shoulders and these guys don't know how to quite catch him yet. But otherwise, I thought he was great. Um, Clock's ticking here on our podcast, so I, I want to talk about the Boswell thing. That was the dumbest call ever, right? I know a lot of people are making an argument, uh, a wise argument. Boswell should have gotten that ball out of his hand. Like, he didn't need to hold it. They're like, you got to get rid of it at a certain point. But to me, it's fourth and nine, right? Run the fake kick at the two-yard line when the guy just has to squirt out. That's fine. There were seven guys in coverage. It's fourth and nine. I don't know what we're looking at to call that. I know officially it was Tomlin. He's been worked up all week. He's going to bust out all the stops in this big game. I like it, but at a certain point you have to look on the field and say, yeah, that's not the move. And also, we're stopping him on defense. We don't need to do this thing. So he almost screwed it because Chris Boswell has been the best kicker in the history of the NFL besides Justin Tucker. Actually, I'm not even being facetious. I think his percentage is out is one of the best of all time. Obviously, if you take out the aberration year where he was injured, his percentage is historic. And you're risking this guy getting injured again? I, I hated that call. I know that Boswell should have thrown it away. I just thought Tomlin got a little flustered when he made that call. And, and they were lucky that they were able to win the game with no kicker. And also, I'm shocked that no one on the team can kick a 30-yard field goal. Like, Plenty of people can do that. I, I, like maybe not Ben anymore, but like Deontay, like someone didn't kick a little bit in high school. So I think I agree with you on only one point, and that play okay. shouldn't have been called. I loved it when it when when you first recognized that he was going to fake it, just because it's fun and it's exciting. But it was too far away. But I, you know, I just rewatched the play. I mean, he did get rid of the ball. I mean, he got hit in any other. And any other play with a, you know, a real quarterback back there, that would have been roughing, maybe even, tar- maybe even probably targeting, right? So not only did he get rid of the ball, he got hit way after he let go of the ball, and he got hit in the head. With, you think it was after? Like, I didn't think he got hit way after. I thought he got hit pretty soon after. It was just where he got hit. So I, I don't um, think he got rid of it on time, no. You count. I mean, it, it's, it's in the eye of the beholder, but I think he had – <laughs> The guy could have pulled. He, he's up. a kicker. He's a kicker. Uh, to, to to actually to back up your point, like he doesn't know when to get rid of the damn ball. He's a kicker. There's but no. He did instinct. get rid of the. I'm, my argument. Go watch it. I I think he got rid of the ball with enough time not to get hit. Who could have predicted he was going to get hit in the head like that? Right. But but so, you, but that's but, what but, happens. That's what happens. A lot of kickers and punters get jacked up on fakes because they're not professional skill. It is different when you're like, oh, he's got a lot of room. He just has to toss it out there. No, it's not. When you're in a stadium and there are literal monsters and mutants chasing after you, when you put him in that position, you assume that risk. We can't give anything to Boswell in terms of like timing or throw it or this or that. Like he's going to go full deer in the headlights, which he did. And, uh, and honestly, just – it was a little frustrating, but uh, they're lucky they got it with, with the win there. Um, which is why, which is why the answer to your final question, they can't have a guy who can kick it in reserve. And you would think a punter or even a whole, somebody would have a little time on their Doug hands. Doug Flutie did it. It's doable. I'm just saying it's <laughs> unlikely. I think AB and used to did, kick in many, high school. Yeah. And how many guys did you see in high school or, or college? You guys would go goof around on a football field. Yeah. And there's a guy who could kick it from the 40 yes, yard line. I guarantee there's guys so has, on the Steelers. It who has can. A, yeah. a little bit to do with being able to do it. It has everything to do with those mutants running at you and getting the ball up. How many? So was it Washington's um, holding former? 
No, the um, not Washington or James Washington. The Washington game, their two blocked field goals. Their their place kicker got the trajectory so low. He's yeah. basically hitting Lillet, the back. His of name the is yeah, yeah. Oh, he's an ex pick guy, right? I don't remember, but yeah, you're right. It's different than getting him in there. But but then again, you went for for a 15 yard two point conversion on a team that hasn't had a 15 yard pass. I, it should not in two have been years. called. It, it was didn't put him in. The, the chances of that succeeding were, were too low. Yeah, I thought tough. maybe the element of surprise would have been the one advantage you had, but clearly it, that wasn't. The so case. it seems like the big decision, the, the the decisions to not really have a plan for Miles Garrett, who's really the only player you had to. To plan for, you know, Owusu Koromo is definitely going to be one of those guys uh, in the future here, or I think he will be. Um, but uh, you know, not having a plan for him and then throwing a weird little fake field goal when it just didn't make a ton of sense within the flow of the game, those are the poor things. But overall, once again, I bet there's going to be some Steelers fans who are determined to not like Mike Tomlin. They're going to make that the main story rather than, oh my goodness, the Steelers really handled the Browns in this game. And they won a massive game and turned their season around. Look, I don't have Super Bowl aspirations for the Steelers, but I love that they're going to die trying. I have Super Bowl aspirations for the future. Let's see how these young guys are doing. It was a big-time arrow-up game for the young guys, just like the last two were. So this is a trend now. People are playing better. The Steelers have momentum. They have a chance to really harness that momentum, which goes a long way in the NFL football game. By being two crappy teams, sadly, Derrick Henry is out for the freaking season for the Titans, and the Colts are, what, they've got four or five losses already? All I'm trying to say is that it wouldn't be insane for the Steelers to make the playoffs as that playoff race thins, but I'm definitely not looking that far ahead. I'm just looking, are the young players on the Steelers getting better? And it seems like they are. Speaking of arrow up, let's remind our fellow travelers in the Steelers' sphere our plan about cornering the market. We're going to corner the market on Symbol. Symbol's the stock market for sports. It's spelled S-I-M-B-U-L-L. And you can profit off your sports knowledge and profit off of some of the insights we're giving you on the Steelers by making some money on it. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks. And every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use the promo code S. D, like sports drink, and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. Spotify Green Room, everybody. Get the conversation going on Spotify Green Room, which is a live audio only cut out the bull crap sports talk platform where you can talk to athletes insiders fans and anyone else who possibly wants to talk about sports in real time which is cool because you actually do make some cool little communities talking sports on the internet and it's great to have some place like spotify green room that really facilitates that for you download the spotify green room app for free on the ios app store create a profile link your twitter and join the group what's next Next is the Chicago Bears, or is it are the Chicago Bears? Next is, Monday, they're one unit. They're Eastern. one unit. When we're conjugating verbs, there. Thank you. Well, coming from a classicist, that's good. Well, good crap, actually, but then you're calling it the Bears. Well, well, anyways, it is. Yeah. It Next is Monday, eight fifteen Eastern in Pittsburgh, the supposed easy game. I hate those words. It makes me a little bit more confident the fact that it's a night game in Pittsburgh that it that traditionally has been a good place for the Steelers to play and they're going to be excited to finally have some good words about them and to get to play in front of the the whole world really there so 
Um, listen, they're surrounded by idiots there in Chicago. They're another one where it's like, obviously, it'd be fun to see Justin Fields play. Their line isn't that great. Their defense isn't what it was a few years ago. And they're another one where I would say they're not going to figure it all out in one week. Look, I know the Steelers can lose. The NFL is crazy. But if you look at what the Steelers have done in the past three games, it's been a similar game all three times. The Steelers are finding their formula. And the Bears are really lost in finding theirs. Matt Nagy's been out with COVID, which probably helps them more than hurts them, to be honest with you. But either way, I don't think the the Bears are going to be able to get it together in one week. So... I'm thinking the Steelers are going to take another victory this this upcoming week here and, and stack them where they can. And I just hope to see some more improvement there, and I hope to see them run the ball well. And it just Every game comes down to this. Is the defense going to show up? Because they're, they're paid an obscene amount of money on that. Everybody is a multimillionaire on that defense. You need to keep showing up like you did against Cleveland. Then the second two things are the offensive line. Are they going to be a passable offensive line and let the star running back get some yards behind them? And is Ben going to make – are, are people going to start catching these bozo interceptions? Because I think I've kind of come to the conclusion it's he's going to give you a couple chances every game. We've lucked out that they haven't caught a lot of them. Is he going to be able to cut those down? And uh, are Chase and Deontay going to be able to make big boy plays, or are they going to need things served up on a silver platter for them? And that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll see if Boswell's healthy. Yeah, I think Jarvis Landry qualifies as the Steelers' defensive player of the game. Seriously. Anyway, let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. 
The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.